Well, we're going to look together this evening at some verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and they are verses 9 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 9 to 11, where Paul writes, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And it's particularly those words in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That was Paul's testimony. I wonder if it's your testimony this evening. He was writing to the church at Corinth, and he was dealing with many issues and problems in the life of the church, and he deals with them one by one. Uh, in this chapter, he's dealing with the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body, uh, which some in Corinth were doubting, if not denying them. And uh, as they're beginning to waver and perhaps to give way to doubt, he, he reminds them of the gospel, the message that he had preached to them, uh, which he said uh, he preached when he first came to them. And uh, he said it was a message which he preached and which they received and uh, on which they had taken their stand. It was a gospel by which they had been saved. And he urged them to hold firmly to the word that he had preached to them and to keep trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he reminds them that that message was based on uh, historic facts, uh, events of history uh, to do with the Lord Jesus Christ dying for our sins, according to the scriptures, being buried and being raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. He reminds them that the, the resurrection of Jesus was attested to uh, by many witnesses. And he, he lists them uh, from verse 5, Peter, and then the 12, and then 500 of the brothers at the same time, uh, to James. And then he says, and last of all, he appeared to me. And so there were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. It wasn't simply an idea that Jesus was still somehow in some vague way present with them, but there were those who had seen him alive physically after his resurrection. And uh, that was the message that Paul preached, and that was the message that these Christians had believed. And so he's seeking to confirm them in their faith and to strengthen them while they are wavering. And in doing that, he he has this autobiographical note in the chapter as he refers to his own conversion, to his call uh, to faith and to be an apostle, and indeed now to his current labor as an apostle. It's good, isn't it, to catch a glimpse of the man uh, behind the message, behind so many of the letters of the New Testament. And what he's really telling them here is that he has been, had been saved by the same gospel that he had proclaimed to them. And, and the key word in what he has to say is 
grace. That's his testimony. It's all to do with grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And I want us just to look uh, this evening at the three aspects of Paul's testimony to the grace of God to him. Now, the first was in his conversion and in his call to be an apostle. He had met the risen and ascended Lord on the Damascus Road. And uh, it had been a life-transforming experience. Paul was not a man who, it seemed, was seeking to know Jesus. In fact, he, he tells us that he was convinced he should do everything possible to oppose the name of Jesus. In fact, he had taken authority to travel to Damascus, and he was breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Although he also says that he was kicking against the goads. God was beginning to speak to him by his spirit, but he wasn't listening. And uh, he was becoming uh, even more vehement in his opposition, not only to Christians, uh, but to the Savior himself. And then he was confronted by the risen Lord. Uh, and a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He lost his sight. And uh, a voice from heaven said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. In other words, he knew that this experience was entirely of God and uh, entirely of his grace. Uh, as he lists the, the resurrection appearances of Jesus, he says, and last of all, he appeared to me also. He was amazed at that, uh, that the Lord had graciously condescended to reveal himself uh, to Paul. He was at the end of the line. Uh, he refers to himself as one abnormally born. Literally, the word is the abortion. It was a term of abuse. He was the miscarriage of the apostolic family and was called late to join the apostle band and their ministry of taking the gospel to the world. And it all happened by the sudden power of God, uh, like a premature birth, suddenly happening without warning. And his entrance into the apostolic band was violent and in a sense unnatural, he is saying. But he was alive and uh, he knew that, that the Lord Jesus Christ had been gracious to him. And uh, he says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. He, he knew that he had no right to be an apostle of himself, despite the fact that he had been a very religious man, keeping hundreds of commandments and uh, fasting and praying and doing all kinds of things to win God's favor. But he he still didn't deserve to know the Lord or indeed to be an apostle. He wasn't doubting his apostleship. What he was saying was, it's, it's all of God's grace. I'm amazed that here I am preaching the message of Jesus Christ because he had been a persecutor of the church. He has no doubt about the fact that he's a true apostle, a full apostle in, the sen in that sense. 
but it's all of God's grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And he was humbled in that, humbled to the dust. And every time he remembered the grace of God, he was conscious of his own unworthiness. You know, that's one of the effects of, of grace upon us. On the one hand, we know that we belong to the Saviour. Paul knew that. He also knew that God had called him to be an apostle. But uh, he said he, he didn't deserve it. It was entirely of God's gracious dealings with him. But you see, the grace of God is something strong and powerful. It's life transforming. The grace of God to Paul conquered his sin and conquered his rebellion against God. He'd been an enemy of God, an enemy of Jesus Christ and of the gospel and of the church. But he was changed. He was turned around. And uh, he became a, a new man, so much so that even the early Christians struggled to believe that he really had been changed uh, because he had caused such devastation uh, amongst the church in Jerusalem especially and, and as he traveled to other places too. And he wrote about that amazing grace in some of his letters. In his letter to the, the Romans, for instance, he speaks about the death of Jesus and he says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's the gospel of God's grace. Or again, he says, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Uh, it was when we were enemies, and Paul was an enemy of Christ, but he was reconciled to God. And it's important for us to have the grace to accept what we are in the light of what we were. It may be that your life before you became a Christian was far from God. You were, you were deep in the ways of the world and, and God saved you by the gospel and had mercy upon you. It may be that like Paul, you were very religious he could say about his life before he knew the Saviour that as to legalistic righteousness, he was blameless, he was faultless. But that just made him proud. Uh, and perhaps that was true of you. You were proud. You thought that you were better than other people. And then God showed you your need and you experienced his grace. And part of every Christian's testimony uh, is remembering what we were and how God was gracious to us. I wonder, do you rejoice in being reminded of your past? Paul here doesn't hesitate to speak about his past. Um, he says that he doesn't deserve, he's not worthy to be called an apostle. You see, as time goes on, we, we gain a sort of air of respectability. And uh, people perhaps who meet us uh, after we've been Christians for some years look at us and think that we're Christians because of the way we live now, even though we still struggle with sin. Um, but we know that it was entirely by the grace of God that we were saved. And the forgiveness of sins doesn't obliterate the memory of our sins. And we can have a continuing sense of unworthiness and ill desert. We don't deserve, like Paul didn't deserve, uh, to be those who experience God's favour. And he had a profound 
sense of unworthiness. Else, elsewhere in his writings, he, uh, he says that he is the chief of sinners. Not he was, but that he is the chief of sinners. And uh, that sense of unworthiness draws us to the Saviour, and we're constantly humbled by that fact. Where would we be tonight but for the grace of God? Would we be uh, listening to this service, listening to this sermon, if God had not graciously intervened in life? Where could we have been? Uh, what disasters might have befallen us? What kind of life would we be living? And uh, even religion is an enemy of the gospel of God's grace. Paul was a very religious man, but he despised the Savior. He despised grace. And uh, it was only the Lord himself who was able to humble him and to save him. That's the power of grace. It's, it's strong. It changes us. It both gives us hope and confidence in Christ at the same time as knowing that we are utterly undeserving and uh, we are humbled in the presence of God. Uh, John the Baptist, whom Jesus said was the, the greatest of those born of women, uh, spoke of the one who he was preparing the way for. And he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. I am not fit to wash this man's feet. And uh, John, this great prophet, sent to prepare the way for the Messiah, knew what he was, and he knew what the Saviour was. Uh, and that sense of, of humility, of not deserving, is, is part of the experience of, of coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One man writes, those of his children whom God intends to exalt to positions of honour and power, he often prepares for their exaltation by leading them to such a knowledge of their sinfulness as to keep them constantly abased. If we rise to some position of influence and honor, then God shows us often uh, the, the depths of the depravity of our heart, but for his grace. And uh, so there's no place for pride. There's, there's no place for boasting. And that's why the message of God's grace is, is not welcome as far as all are concerned. Uh, we might sing a hymn as Christians, Grace tis a charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Heaven with the echo shall resound, and all the earth shall hear. But Paul once hated the grace of God. The, the, the Pharisees uh, and the religious leaders of Jesus' time hated the fact that he welcomed sinners and he ate with them. It was abhorrent to them. Why was he mixing with those sort of people? Now, Paul had been a self-righteous legalist. It's like that, possible to be like that in religious, and to be arrogant and proud and dismissive and condemnatory towards others. But grace is the great leveller. Grace puts us all on the same footing. None of us deserve the grace and kindness of God. Uh, and even religious people need to be converted. Perhaps that's one of your struggles. You, you perhaps come to church all your life and, and you tend to think, well, other people may need to be converted and say, but I don't. Uh, because I, I've always lived what you call a, a good life. 
and you look at other people around you and you see the way they live and perhaps you despise them. That was what the Pharisees were like. And then God's grace comes and uh, it shows us that we all have the same need and we need to be converted. Jesus told a parable about men working in a vineyard and some were hired at the beginning of the day and they were promised a, a day's wage. But there are others who were hired in the last hour and just worked one hour. Uh, and when the, the owner of the vineyard paid them, he, he paid them all a full day's wage. And Jesus said when they received it, that is those who'd worked all day, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And uh, Jesus went on to speak of the generosity of the, the master. Do you begrudge that? And you know, it's possible, isn't it, to think, well, I've been a Christian for many years. I've been a member of this church for many years, and I have some sort of status because of that. And then a person who comes to faith now, well, they've got to sort of work their way up. No, it's not like that. We're all saved by the grace of God, and it's a great leveler. Uh, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, could say that by the grace of God, he was what he was. And uh, the condescension of our Lord it is a great encouragement to those uh, who are deep stained in sin perhaps that's something that troubles you you look at other people in the church and you think well I, i'm not like them i can understand why god is is kind to them but but not me and uh paul says well no i was i was the chief of sinners and and he also saw god's grace to him as an encouragement to those who felt totally unworthy and were in danger of giving up all hope that uh, God would accept them. He speaks about his apostleship in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, to the fact that God has considered him faithful, appointing him to his service. And then he goes on to say this, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that were in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And then he adds this, but for that very reason I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, there are times when Christians speak of the Apostle Paul and they, they, they sort of give the idea that because he was such an energetic man, a zealous man, because he had certain gifts and abilities that God chose him, because he saw him as being a great instrument uh, for the advance of the gospel. And we give the impression that it was because of who Paul was that, that God saved him. But Paul didn't think like that. He saw himself as the worst of sinners. And uh, 
in him Christ had displayed his unlimited patience so that no one uh, should give up hope of being accepted because it was by the grace of God that he was what he was. He's saying, in effect, had I been left to myself, I should have continued a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. It's because of his grace that I am now an apostle preaching the faith which I once tried to destroy. Do you know that same testimony? If you'd been left to yourself, where would you be? But God was gracious. He called you to faith in Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, you are what you are. So he speaks first of his conversion, his call to be an apostle. But then he goes on to speak also of his standing now, which was also all of grace. And uh, I am, he says, what I am. And now many years after his conversion, he is still as dependent upon the grace of God as ever he was, as a believer, as a disciple, as an apostle. He needs the gracious influence of the Holy Spirit in unmerited favour. He never earns that favour. Uh, sometimes there's that feeling, well, we're saved by grace. We didn't contribute to that. It was all of God and what he did for us in Jesus Christ. But then once I'm converted, then really I earn God's favour. I earn God's blessing. But, but Paul didn't see it like that. Uh, he had all kinds of outward trials. And uh, God gave him grace in that situation. He struggled, perhaps, uh, with us. These Corinthians were struggling with doubts. There are peculiar minister temptations and challenges of being involved in the ministry of the gospel. Uh, when, when men stand up to preach the truth, sometimes people get the idea that because they're preaching the truth, they've experienced all that truth. And it's all been translated into life-transforming power. But, but often the servants of God, and Paul was conscious of this, are as much in need of the grace of God as anybody else, and as much in need of the grace of God as they were when they were first converted and first saved. And that's true of all Christians. And it's important to see, not only we look back and say, that when we were converted, God was gracious to us, but he's still being gracious. He's still being kind to us. And where would we be today if it were not for his grace? How often, like these Corinthians, we experience doubts. When we remember our past sins and our present sins and the present struggles that we have, and when we have a growing consciousness of our sinfulness, Despite all we know, despite all the Lord's kindness to us, we are still struggling with our old nature. One of our hymns says, And none, O Lord, have perfect rest, for none are wholly free from sin. And those who fain would serve thee best are conscious most of wrong within. There's that strange paradox. We want to be the very best we can be for the Lord, and yet at the same time we're struggling with the world, and with the flesh, and with the devil. And it's so important in that struggle that we hold fast to our faith and to the grace of God. That's why Paul is encouraging these Corinthians not to give up, not to turn back, not to be overcome by doubts. 
but to continue believing the things that he preached to them and which they believed at that moment of their conversion. And, you know, assurance of faith comes from the grace of God and uh, his kindness to us. In his second letter to Timothy in chapter 1, Paul says, This is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. In this letter, he, he writes about the fact that he's nearing the end of his journey. It's about time for the ship to weigh anchor and uh, for him to go to heaven. But he says, I know whom I have believed. And it's all about him. I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've committed to him against that day. Is that your testimony? However long you've been a Christian, now, as a Christian, you are dependent upon God's grace and would be utterly lost without it. The finished work of Jesus Christ, which we'll remember in a short while when we uh, have our communion time, is the ground of your hope. And the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 10 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. There's that new and living way. There's the blood of Jesus and our confidence is in him. He says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Every day, uh, the Christian comes to God and, and asks for his forgiveness. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned in your sight, I have sinned against heaven. heaven. And uh, we lean more heavenly on God's grace, the more we understand the sinfulness of our hearts. Sometimes people think that it's at conversion that we have the, the deepest realization of our sinfulness. Well, often we do, um, but it's in the ongoing Christian life that the struggles that we have with the old self, the good we would, we don't do, the very things we hate, those are the things that we do. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? And Paul knew that struggle. He wrote about it. And so he not only talks about his conversion, but his continuing need of God's grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Is that your testimony too? You see, Christian humility is safeguarded by grace. Christian humility does not consist in denying what there is of good in us. There is good. There is a change that has taken place. There is a new nature. But Christian humility is linked to that consciousness that everything that we have of good is due to the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And uh, then thirdly, everything he accomplished in his gospel ministry was all of grace. Uh, he says, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. But then he adds this, yet not I, but the grace of God that was 
with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. He speaks about his hard work, but he says all of that is, is due to the, the grace of God. Experiencing salvation was not without effect. It wasn't vain or empty. It had content. And uh, he toiled, he labored in the work of the gospel, in all his travels. And he says he worked harder. And the word there speaks of a joyful pride of a skilled craftsman he, who wants to do the finest quality of work. And Paul says in gospel ministry, that is what he wanted to do. Uh, when he writes earlier in this letter, in chapter 3, he says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, a skilled master builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. God gave him grace in order to serve, in order to minister. It didn't depend on him. It didn't depend upon his gifts. It didn't depend upon his insight into the gospel and his experience through the years. But it was all of God's grace. I worked harder, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. How important that is in Christian service. Uh, to realize that it's through the gracious enabling of God uh, that our ministry and our service can in any way be effective. It's not traceable to us. It's not due to our skills and we take no credit for it. And that means we should not hide behind excuses for lack of urgency in serving Christ. Uh, Paul, he says, has been one abnormally born, but an unpromising start had led by God's grace uh, to a great work being done and uh, to energetic labors, but all through God giving him grace to continue and to persevere. And he represents the power of his ministry as being the effect of a strong and spiritual work deep in his life, the grace of God uh, that was with me. Again, we see the power of grace. It's a powerful motivating force. You know, there are some professing churches which say that the best way to uh, encourage Christians to be serious about serving Christ is to cause them to doubt their salvation. Uh, and unless they serve with energy, they can't be sure that they really belong to the Saviour. Uh, but actually, it's knowing the grace of God that sets us free to serve him and to serve him, serve him, serve him out of thankfulness uh, for all that he has done for us. And even when we've done all, we are at best unprofitable servants. And we need the means of grace, services like this, Bible studies, prayer, are all ways in which God strengthens us by his grace to go on not simply surviving, but serving him. And uh, not only had Paul been saved by God's grace, been kept by God's grace, but he served in the power of that grace. And we too should give the Lord the very best of which we are capable have you slipped into a sort of half-hearted service for the Lord? You love the Lord, and you want to see his name glorified, and yet somehow you're not running so as to win the prize, laboring, as Paul did, to the point of weariness, and showing that craftsman's pride, wanting to be the very best Christian that you can be at home, at school, at work, in the community, as God enables you and blesses you. And uh, it's so important today 
as it has always been, that as Christians we are wholehearted in our service of the Lord. But it's not us, but the grace of God that is with us, as that grace was with Paul. It was grace that made him what he was, and uh, grace cooperated with him in his life of service for the Lord as he journeyed with great energy uh, to take the gospel to those who had never heard it. And so God's grace had saved the apostle, called him to be an apostle. That grace sustained him in the struggles of the Christian life, in his own inner struggles to be changed into the likeness of the Saviour. And that grace also enabled him and empowered him as he served the Lord. It wasn't him, it was the grace of God that was with him. And at the end, Paul, as every faithful Christian, looks forward to that day, a day of amazement when we will experience the reward of grace. Jesus speaks about that day when we come before our master and the master says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It's an amazing commendation, but it's the commendation of grace. It's God commending what he has done in us, in saving us and in keeping us and enabling us in our service for him. And you know, it's so important that we remember that and that every moment of every day we live in the light of the wonder of the grace of God to us in Jesus Christ. So like Paul, we are able to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this testimony of your servant Paul, uh, whom you graciously saved and called to yourself, humbled him into the dust, and then sent him out into the world to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the energies of his labours. We thank you for the way your grace kept him and worked in him. And we thank you that he saw himself as an example, that uh, no one should give up hope. Lord, we need your grace too. Grant that each one of us, taking part in this service, may be saved by your grace and may cast ourselves upon the Saviour and experience his forgiveness. And we pray that your grace will keep us in the, in the face of doubts, perhaps, about the truth of the gospel, struggles with our own sinful nature and with the world around us and the constant assaults of the enemy. Lord, keep us looking to your grace, we pray. And help us in the days that you give us to energetically serve you in the work of the gospel. Yet not us, but your grace working in us. And may we one day hear that commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. For we ask these things in our Saviour's name. Amen. You know, let's sing together uh, as we move to our communion service, the uh, hymn of John Newton, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see.